a listener production. Hi, I'm Nat Kringudis. And I'm Cecilia Ramsdale. Welcome to The Wellness Collective, a podcast where we invite you to be part of our wellness community to share, learn and live better. Hello, Nat. Cecilia. How are you? I'm I'm all right. Yeah, I'm I'm fine. I'm fine, fine. I'm I'm fine. (laughs) Sound like it. Did you ever see that? My my nephew on Instagram, I put that on there once. He's like, it's fine, it's fine. And then he goes, it's not fine. Oh, bless. He's only about two, isn't he? (laughs) Yeah, he's cute as. He sums it up. But I actually am feeling fine, to be honest. But it's such a roller coaster. You never know. It's a mixed bag of lollies. What you're going to get on any given day? Life is particularly like that. It is. Very Forrest Gump at the moment. And then then as women, we add some menstrual cycles to the mix and wow, Mm. it's really a recipe for all of the goods. (laughs) It is. I think um, what we're living through currently in 2021 and last year, it's been a good solid time, is let's call it a traumatic event affecting the entire world. And you know what I said to a friend of mine the other day? I feel like I'm ageing in real time. <laughs> like I can feel like I feel myself ageing in real time. Uh, and I, I actually don't feel too bad, but there's this element where you're like, oh, gee, this is different. Well, anyway, yes. to, we, we found a wonderful guest to talk to mm-hmm. us today about trauma and yeah. about the effect it has on us and how, well, it, it, it's something that we all have. Well, this is true. And if you think you don't, then think again. Because as we just learned in the pre-chat, it could be a plethora of other things that you've got no idea about. But I think, I mean, let's let's invite our guest in and then we can just get talking, shall we? Yes. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. Would you like to let our audience know who you are and what you do? Hello, I'm Dr. Sarah Woodhouse and I'm a research psychologist. I study trauma. So I've studied trauma for about academically for about 12 years and I've just written a book. Love well, it. It came out a little while ago now. Uh, in March, I think it was, called You're Not Broken, Break Free from Trauma and Reclaim Your Life. Love it. And so now I, I mainly spend my time talking about trauma <laughs> on podcasts. How traumatic for you. <laughs> How traumatic. Yeah, good job. I, yeah, good job. I'm passionate about it. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? Um, I When I was doing some research into talking to you, I thought, do we all have this? Like, you know, what? let's define trauma to begin with so that we can kind of then explore how maybe it does manifest in different ways for all of us. Yeah, it's a, it's a reaction essentially and it's one that still affects us today. Um, a trauma is, you know, happens when we perceive a threat, um, feel extremely overwhelmed and feel out of control. Um, and it, it, any experience... Can, can cause that. So any experience that leads us to feel threatened, out of control and overwhelmed can lead to a traumatic reaction. So it can lead to the fight, flight, freeze response being triggered. So they're the three things that we're looking out for. And I talk in those terms because they're terms that we can all relate to, aren't they? Whereas when we start mm-hmm. talking in terms of freeze and uh, that, you know, what's going on with the nervous system, I think it can maybe feel a little bit uh, confusing for some people. It certainly did for me uh, 10 years ago, whenever. Um, whereas we all know what it feels like to feel overwhelmed, don't we? We all know what it feels like to feel threatened and out of control. So they're the, thi- they're the things we're looking for. Mm. So if you're thinking, well, was that traumatic for me? I'd be saying, well, how, you know, c- can you spot those three things with it, within it? You know, is, is that how you are feeling? But the key word there is any experience. So what we're learning to move away from within trauma is this idea that there's this list of experiences that lead to trauma. And so there's, you know, 
a hundred experiences over here, big T traumas, you know, things we all associate with trauma, like war and uh, assault, you know, those kind of things. And then there are these over here that aren't traumatic. And what the research has shown us so clearly over the last sort of 10 years is that that's nonsense. Any experience, (laughs) any experience can lead to a traumatic reaction. And of course, there are some that are more likely to. There are some that are more likely to, and they're the ones that you know, that we would all consider traumatic, but it's also a very subjective thing mm. and depends on the meaning that we apply and that, you know, the families we're brought up in our own individual nervous system and, and the resilience within it. Um, so there's a lot of individual factors there that lead to or contribute to whether we will have that baseline reaction of overwhelm, feeling out of control and feeling threatened Right. So what you're saying is really it's relative, right, <laughs> to the individual, yes. which yes, is difficult because one yeah. person's trauma might not, yeah. you know, be another person's, which makes it difficult sometimes yeah. also to relate to at the same time. Um, if you're watching somebody go through something and you're sitting there thinking, I don't think it's that <laughs> bad, but they're like beside themselves. Yeah. Um, but it's a real feeling for them, which is fascinating yeah. when you think about yeah. it. Mm. I've never really thought about that. It is fascinating. And the only solution to that is for all of us to stop really in this context, in this kind of psychological context, to stop looking at the events themselves and focus very keenly on the reaction, because mm. that's what it's about. So if you if you try to analyse the event, well, was it traumatic? You're going to just get completely lost and your trauma is going to tell you it wasn't. So it's going to blame you. It's going to do anything it can really to uh, to get you to avoid to avoid that truth that it was traumatic. So we actually don't really want to do that. What we want to do is look at the facts on the ground, which is your reaction. Mm. So if you see a traumatic reaction there, then it was a trauma. And, and that's that's the end of it. No matter how you know big or small the event appeared. I think as a parent, that's really poignant because yes. you think about yeah. how many times a child will come to you and say, oh, this happened and that happened. And from your perspective, it's really not that bad at all. But for them, it it has been traumatic in whatever way, shape or form. So is there a language that you can use when you're dealing with someone who has experienced a trauma that doesn't kind of um, belittle it, I guess? Yeah, absolutely. That's such an awesome question. It's so important for us all to remember. I mean, the key thing is not to dismiss or fix so you're not you're not flipping into either camp of fixy fixy, i.e., oh I'm so sorry, you know I'm so sorry you feel that that way. Um, here have a cake. I'm so sorry you feel that way. Here read this book or you know whatever you know age appropriate fix we apply. Um, and likewise not uh, sort of uh, dismissing it in any way. So what we want to do is validate and acknowledge other other people's feelings as as we do always. You know whether whether or not there's a traumatic reaction going on. The key is to allow them to be seen. And and really what you're doing then is attaching the feeling to the event and acknowledging it. And and what that stops us all doing is internalizing. And that's what we don't want our children to do Mm. is have these big, big feelings or and experience something and feel left alone with it. Well, why did that happen? Because when that happens, they go inwards and blame themselves. And, and the solution to that is, is really simple. It's just, oh, you feel really afraid or it's just very simple language. Um, you're, you know, you, you couldn't see me in the park. That made you feel really scared. I understand. It's, it's just reflecting back to them what they've experienced and what they're feeling. That's all you need to do, essentially. That's, that's the key part of it. Mm. 
Um, I suppose there is a, a secondary piece to that is wherever possible, we want to regulate ourselves. So what I see parents doing all the time, and I do, I do, you know, I'm, I'm you know, absolutely work in progress like everyone, is if something really, ex- if I see an extreme reaction in the children, I'll often go up, up, up with it because I'm frightened. Mm. You know, so, so I see them, you know, they've, they've gone too far out in the sea and I see them, them screaming. That is potentially, we're, we're in the trauma zone there. That is potentially traumatic for me, potentially going to trigger a, a memory for me from childhood. So I'm going to go up, 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 i.e., sorry, when I, when I say that, what I mean is my um, nervous system is going to pump with all of those arousal hormones, the fight, flight hormones. So I'm going to just be buzzing with all of this, you know, adrenaline and energy. And what I need to do really before I go and help my child, well, in that instance, please go into the sea and help the child. I don't mean in practical terms, that's not a good example. So once your child is completely safe, if you can see that they're afraid and experiencing, you know, an extreme reaction to something that, that, that they are in fight, flight, or even freeze, what we need to do is regulate ourselves first. It's really just so critical. I hope parents can hear yeah. that. It's, you know, the, the image and the phrase I use is that you put the oxygen mask on yourself first. Yeah. Because not- co-regulation is a real thing. So if, if you are regulated, you will immediately help their body return yeah. to stasis, return to, to balance. Whereas if you're just, they don't stand much of a chance of, of regulating themselves. Yeah. That wouldn't just be for children though, right? That would no. be for no. adults as well. I had, my, I found myself in a situation yesterday Mm-hmm. I didn't expect to find myself in, but I think everybody is especially triggered at the moment. So to get to, mm-hmm. you know, if if you've got a resting threshold of 25%, <laughs> let's say, in fight or flight, everyone yeah. is resting at 50 at the moment. So to get to 100 yeah. doesn't really take very much. But this woman comes burning around the corner in her car, chasing an 11-year-old on a scooter, <laughs> screaming out the window and pulls around. And he then comes in, is standing behind me and he is shaking and so mm. I'm like, oh, wow, okay, I don't know anything about what's going on here. I've got no idea. I don't know this little boy. I don't know this crazy lady in the car. Um, but <laughs> she was triggered and he was petrified and he he'd rang her doorbell and she got upset because the boys were going around ringing oh. doorbells. So I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> exactly what you're saying. I really had to make an effort to like bring myself right down and be able to reason with her. Now she's an adult as well. So I was like, mm. in the end, I'm like, yeah, but you're an adult. Like, but it was crazy watching this play out, and I'm sitting here thinking this little boy would still be traumatized by what happened for the rest of his life. For the rest of his <laughs> life, yes, because he was shaking. He was shaking with fear. Um, and it was just very interesting. It was very interesting because she was triggered. He was losing mm. it, um, and then I had to. That's exactly what I had to do. I had to regulate myself. I'm not usually very good at that, so I was, you know. There you go. There's a win the for back. me yesterday. Absolutely. Well, no, I am good at it, but I can also, we get triggered ourselves, right? Usually it's so hard. Right. So yeah, it's absolutely. like, you know. Especially when you've, when you've got a situation like that that you've just ended up in the middle of. Well, I totally ended up in the middle of it. Figure and, out what was going on. Right, exactly. And and trying not to trigger either them both any more than they were already triggered. That was the other thing. It's like I knew what I was going to say would potentially trigger her because she needed to actually stop. But I couldn't say, you need to stop because that's not going to work, right, in that, you know, Mm. situation. So, I mean, do we have, I guess, first of all, there needs to be an awareness that we're in trauma or in a traumatic Mm. situation. Then we have to have the awareness to try and self or regulate ourselves. Yeah, wherever possible, yeah. Right. Is there any tool that we can use here? Is there something that we 
can can utilize or that you know people listening going how do I even do that I guess it's just awareness to begin with isn't it it is that's I mean of everything I teach that's tool number one is once you can spot the reaction once you once you know you're triggered you're you're halfway there you know that is the doorway because what we're trying to do is always create a kind of distance between or a separation between the reaction and ourselves and as we get better and better at it there's more and more distance um, and, I, and by that, I mean, there's there's more and more our ability to control the reaction grows and grows. But it all begins with that awareness. And and that's something that I teach and, and advocate and practice myself is, you know, in that instance, I'd be saying to myself, I've been triggered. You've been triggered. So it's really naming it. So I'm feeling, you know, so you're trying to recognize what you're feeling, recognize the reaction. And then very quickly in that kind of sort of emergency situation where you really need to react quickly, it's doing everything you can to ground yourself and mm. step into your adult self, because it's so important to remember. I had an experience this morning, actually, and was like, oh God, it's so clear. When I feel it myself, I, I almost get excited because it's it, not excited, but it's like the proof of, of all the research, but it's so important to remember for, for the woman in the car, for you, separate to the to the boy, of course, who is a child, that the person reacting within you is a child. So, so, so it's it's really about recognizing that woman. You said she's an adult. In that moment, she absolutely wasn't. Right. If we're triggered, we're pulled back into an old reaction, and it's very unlikely that that old reaction is from adulthood. It's far more common than that the old reaction is from childhood. So when you see someone really triggered, you're not dealing with, a, you know, a sane adult who is completely connected to their prefrontal cortex and to their adult identity. What's happened actually is that they've shifted into their child consciousness and being aware of that really helps. And for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So the language I'll often use on myself is if I'm really triggered, I, I speak to myself as if I'm a child, which is what I did this morning. I was like, okay, sweetheart, I see it. I get it. It was like, oh my God, I'm six. <laughs> I could feel, I could feel the reaction. I was reacting from my six year, from, to my six-year-old from my six-year-old. So, so recognizing that, that we're all pulled back to childhood, really. So, so the solution then is, is stepping into our adult. And there are so many ways to do it. And I, I find it tricky to advise on it because I think what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for another but then even you know, but different personalities pull out different, you know, responses. I know that I will yeah. sit there with my son and totally be able to be regulated. But my daughter, I, I just, I, I've said this how many times, sometimes things mm-hmm. come out of my mouth and I'm like, that is the dumbest thing ever, but I don't even know <laughs> why I'm saying it. Mm-hmm. She triggers me in a different way than what he does. Mm-hmm. He, he's like mm-hmm. me. That's why I can sit there and go, yes, <clears> you just got in trouble, but let's talk about this. Whereas, yes, she just got in trouble and we still end up quite, <laughs> quite up here Butting when heads. we're running heads. It's it's whereas my husband is the opposite. He will go in and be able to reason with with my daughter, but can't reason with yeah. my son. But you've heard so many mothers and fathers say that, right? Mm, I just want to be able to do it with both of them. <laughs> but it's the identification. Mm. It's the identification. It's because you were a young girl, you know. So so you are therefore triggered at every age. The person who appears on the scene, just like me this morning, is your young girl. And, and that's going to, you're just going to be triggered much less often with your son. Right. It's oh, just, it's fascinating. It, it, just, it, it always follows through. Right, right. I hear no, so many parents. I can be kind of no, I'm going to throw a spanner in the works because I have the opposite. Oh, oh do you? Okay. Uh, yeah. My son drives me nuts. My daughter, less so. Okay. Okay. Okay, mm. so you feel like you're more triggered. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And of course, it's more complicated in terms of personalities mm. and, 
and maybe, but, but there's always an identification or from my perspective, from yeah. my, you know, from my theoretical perspective, it's always because there's an identification there. Mm. And so something's going on that's reminding you of childhood. So it's more likely to happen with a child of the same gender, but obviously, you know, not Well, I think it comes down to the fact that he doesn't listen to anything and he wants to do everything his own way. And as a child, I would always just do whatever my parents told me to do, pretty ah, much. I, okay. I wasn't a rule breaker. So I think that's it. Yeah. He's much more of an individual thinker than I was. So I think that's probably where that Oh, yeah, that would be really from. difficult. Mm. Yeah. I'm the rule breaker, yeah. so, you know. Yeah. So I'm like, why are you, why won't yeah. you just listen to what I'm telling you? Anyway, can we just get back yeah. onto a couple more theoretical things? Right. You talk about self-limiting traumatic beliefs in your book. Mm. What are mm. they? They're the beliefs that we're all left with after we experience a trauma. And they happen in most part the way that I like to view it, and I've, I've read something really powerful about this, it was saying they happen in the gap. So it's why social support is so important and why that reaction I said to your child is so important. You know, so you're reflecting it back. They happen in silence. So it's almost like we go through something and because nobody around us is, because we're not voicing our feelings and our pain for whatever reason, maybe because of the shame of having experienced it or the shame of the feelings themselves, right? A lot of children or even adults, you know, feel ashamed of the reaction itself. We stay quiet. So the people around us don't know what's going on. So in that silence, we, we find really messed up meanings, you know, for, for why things happened. And they ultimately, you know, they always involve self-blame. Mm. They always, they, they most often involve shame and, and self-blame. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm bad. Um, I'm broken. That's why I named the book what I did. I'm bad. I'm broken. I'm, you know, I'm not capable. Um, the world isn't safe. You know, these are when we, when we cling to these, these beliefs and they are really, really powerful. They, they become extremely powerful. Self-limiting yeah. beliefs is actually, they, they're teaching this in school now. Did your, your kids getting taught about this? Self-limiting. Yeah, yeah. I've noticed that um, the kids will talk about um, self, yeah, they'll talk about self-limited beliefs and then, then they'll talk about. Um, so the things that hold you back, really. Right. But then they talk about what's the, mm-hmm. other, the other way of looking, I can't, it's not coming to me when they're talking about. Um, Oh, anyway, can't think about it. But it's it, good though. Yeah, it is. It's really, really good. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Well, I was Absolutely really shocked brilliant. when they came home and they were talking about, yeah. and they've both gone through. Obviously, it's part of the yeah. curriculum because they've both done it. You know, they're both what three years at school apart, so they've both done that. Um, it's amazing. What is, what is a self-limiting belief? <laughs> they're taught so much more. Oh than my we gosh! Ever were. So it's much. Oh my gosh! Yeah. What yeah, about? It's incredible. Oh, sorry. I know. Yeah, I know. I was going to tie it to, and then they they tie that to our open or a closed mindset. Oh, wow. Oh, that's so good. Mm. That is so good. And so, they, but at the time that they're always the teaching it, the kids are so onto it because they'll be like, you'll be at home, say something. They'll be like, well, that's not having an open mindset, mum. <laughs> oh, that's Damn incredible, it. isn't it? <laughs> but it Great is, yeah. school they go to. I, I was really shocked when they were learning it and they were talking about it. I love it. I love it. It's, I mean, I probably wouldn't think to talk to them about it. So, no. <laughs> it's so good. And I think, um, you know, that that's the thing. We do. That, that, that idea of self-limiting beliefs, we, we've all heard that, right? It's quite life coachy, isn't it? We, it's, it's in all of our lingo at the moment. But I think the extra piece is just explaining that the beliefs generally, not always, but more often than not, appear during times of trauma. Mm-hmm. So that's what's going on. So it's just a really important kind of context. There are other things, you know, there are social, socially and, you know, all of that kind of stuff, but, but very many of them are born from traumatic times. 
So that gives us, I think, a different spin on how we release them and how we move through them. Um, Can I ask you to, you talk about the reason that you went on this journey, love that, um, to, you know, look into trauma was because you saw a therapist when you were quite young and she said, let's talk about your trauma and you were unaware that you had any. Do most (laughs) of us not know? I mean, obviously there's big events that can happen that you know are traumatic, but there's obviously a lot of smaller things that we carry around. Do we just not know that they're shaping us? I think until probably the recent present, you know, the last five years where we're talking about it much more often, I think people didn't know. And I think, you know, the the truth is the vast majority of people still don't. Um, Traumatic reactions are born from the same baseline, but they, of course, develop differently in different people. So when I say to some extent, we all carry trauma, I'm saying there are experiences back there because children are are very... uh, frequently have traumatic reactions. It's very common to happen in childhood. If you think about how easy it is to feel overwhelmed, Mm. threatened and out of control goes with childhood, right? So it's common. I'm not saying that they're, they're always huge reactions. I'm not saying that they cripple us all. What I am saying though, is that in day to day life, all of us are triggered, i.e. reminded of those past experiences almost on a daily basis. Um, so, so I think that's, that's useful, but, but yeah, I think, I think more and more we're all beginning to understand that we all need to, you know, we all need to kind of move towards the idea of trauma and move towards, um, the solution and what it means for all of us in terms of our children and our partners, our friends. Um, I mean, it's just incredible to me, even over the last two years, how, how commonly the term is used Whereas when I started the research 12 years ago. I mean, it just, people just didn't get it. You know, it was, it was a very scary word. And I feel like the word is losing. I do feel like that. I feel like it's losing its kind of um, stigma. Stigma. Yes, that's the right word. It's losing its stigma. So what I hope is that we're going to move. So it almost becomes like anxiety. You know, Mm. 20 years ago, it was, oh no, what's anxiety? Whereas now we, we just, we all have it. You know, it's on a spectrum. Yes, there's generalized anxiety disorder at the top, but we all experience anxiety. So it's a very human construct. There's no stigma around it. We all just get it and we all experience it at different levels at different points. And I, my, my dearest hope is that, you know, trauma moves the same way because it is on a spectrum. And yes, there's PTSD and CPTSD up the top, but then down this end of the spectrum, is, is, you know, more of the kind of everyday reactions that still require us to understand them. When are we triggered? What's our reaction? When do we go into fight flight? Oh, hang on. When do we go into freeze? How is it showing up in the workplace? How is it affecting my relationship? So I think, you know, that's my hope is that we move to understanding that, yeah, it's on the spectrum. That's the best way to explain it, I think. Yeah, I think that's fascinating too, that just that like anything, like depression, like you said, anxiety, mm. all these words mm. had a stigma to them that don't anymore, which is why I, you're probably finding that people are more accepting, accepting of even the label trauma. Um, I, I think so. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. Think, I think so. And also it's just so important, isn't it? You know, this idea because we all, that we all, we all carry so much um, shame, I think. What have I done wrong? You know, why am I like this? What have I done wrong? 
I mean, it is a huge relief after you've got over, truly after you've got over the fact that someone said to you, look, I think, I think this is a traumatic reaction, which is of course big. There's also a sense of like, okay, I get it. Mm. Like the clarity that comes from that is incredible. And the self potential for self-forgiveness, for self-compassion, that's the right term really. And who doesn't want that? So it allows us to be more compassionate with ourselves. And I think more compassionate with other people, because when you see difficult, tricky behaviors, i.e. like a woman racing down the road towards <laughs> an 11 year old on a scooter, you know, 30 years ago, 30 years ago, I suspect we'd have all just thought, I don't know, some awful adjective and, and questioned her mental health. Whereas I think now a lot of people, as you did, were like, she's really activated. She's been she's really triggered you know, we're, we're able to recognize it. So it allows us to be more compassionate with other people, mm. which is, I mean, it's everything, isn't it? Definitely. It's so important. Do you think too that, um, I know as women, we like to talk things through with, and, and I feel personally that if you have had something happen, big or small, and you talk it through and you talk it through enough times, you, I feel like I get to a point where I'm like, okay, I've processed that now. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Mm. You know, and thinking about traumatic experiences on a big scale, I had a car accident in 2004 and I ended up in the trauma department at the hospital mm. and was busted. And it took me a good two years to recover fully from mm. all of the things that happened. Now that was like, in my mind, when I looked at your book and everything, I was like, trauma? Well, to me, it was the trauma department. So that's about as traumatic mm. as trauma can sort of, you know, be labelled. Mm. But it took me it took me a good few years to be able to work out that that didn't define me anymore, mm. you know, and not therapy or whatever. It was just talking to people. And, and I felt for a long time that I had it. to explain it to mm. people. But you were probably just explaining it to yourself. Yeah, well, this is what I mean, you know. <laughs> That's right. You're just working like, it out yourself. You just work it out and then yep. you get to a point where you go, okay, so this, I'm done. I'm good with this now. You're good, yeah. yeah. I watched a similar thing when I had mm. Olivia and Chris was actually traumatised from the experience. Oh, yeah. It wasn't actually that bad. It just was long, but it wasn't bad. Mm. There was no real, mm. but he had traumatic to talk in to general. everyone about <laughs> yeah. it and uh, to the point where I recognised that that's what he needed to do. So I just used to let him go. It was as bar- embarrassing as hell because he explained <laughs> the whole crowning and everything. And I was like. did he have photos he'd share yes, as well? Yes, he had photos so that he used to show people as well, but. I recognize your vagina. He, yeah, he, good. Well, it was my bum. It was the back part. It wasn't that bad. But <laughs> but he had to talk it through to everyone that he came in contact with for quite a while. In the end, I just accepted, well, whatever, he needs to do this. And, and talking to me about it wasn't enough because I actually couldn't see it anyway. So <laughs> that would be that traumatic for you. <laughs> well, it was traumatic in a different way for me, wasn't it? But, yeah. But, you know, it's very interesting that that's what often needs to happen and we're often told not to talk about things. We're often told it's not appropriate or stop crying mm. or you should, yeah. you're tough. Yeah. Or, I mean, we still, I'm aware of this, but we still have this, this dialogue that is played out, especially for men and especially my mm. husband the other day was telling my son off for crying. I'm like, I don't want, I don't yeah, want to ever, ever hear you say that again. Yeah. Um, he just couldn't get it. He couldn't get it. Yeah. yeah. Bizarre. Yeah. But I'm sure if I it's say it bizarre. enough times that it will sink in. But yeah. Yeah. And it's only because it's been said to him Correct. countless times over his right. life, you know. But you've both um summed it up so beautifully, I think. You know, we don't we don't all need to go and do trauma work with a therapist. We don't all need to. Uh what we do all need to do is ensure that we have a certain level of social support around us that allows us to process things in our own way, be it uh, talking about it, be it having a cry, you know, doing anger release work, whatever that might look like for you. 
um, or, you know, sort of the more somatic work as well. I really encourage people that's, you know, Peter Levine's work. I don't know if you've heard of him, but um, has, has really highlighted the need, you know, essentially trauma is in the body. Yep. So to heal, we need to let the body do what it needs to do. Um, and if you work with a somatic experiencing practitioner, as I have, I've worked with many of them and encourage people to do so. It's all about kind of releasing the energy from the body. Um, and on a day to day, you know, if you're trying to apply that logic in your own life, it really means letting your body do what it needs to do. You know, so I really encourage people, if you're really anxious, you know, where are you anxious? It's kind of shaking it out, you know, um, I don't know, having a dance if you need to, shaking, you know, stamping your feet, punching the air if you need to, you know, if you're angry. So it's so connecting mind and body. So not just talking about it, but actually mm. moving the body in the way that it needs to, to release what it needs to release. Would that type of practitioner look like what? Like a psychotherapist or a, like, what is that? A somatic. Yeah. Is that its own practitioner? I've never heard of this. Yes. Oh, they're amazing. <laughs> All right. There's lots of different types of somatic psychotherapy, okay. loads of different types. But the, the one I would say that's really leading the way and has changed the way we treat trauma is somatic experiencing. They're actually not psychotherapists. They're right. practitioners. Okay. They're, they're um, own, their own practitioner. They are exactly, but they, they work with the body to release what it needs to essentially, but it, it can be really powerful work. And um, I love it. It's so gentle, mm. really, really is gentle because a lot of people don't want to sit in front of a therapist and go through, you know, the beliefs and, and whatever it might be. It feels really grueling. Whereas all the SE work that I've had has just been so gentle. Mm. You know, it's, it's been lovely. Uh, you always leave feeling more whole and more healed because uh, it's about releasing, you know, I suppose a good, a good way to feel is, you know, we all know what anxious energy feels yes. like, don't we? Yeah. Mm. So it's really about kind of discharging that where we can and helping our nervous system regulate and often learning tools to keep it regulated because mm. that's trauma work. You know, what's happening when we're triggered is that our fight, flight, freeze response goes off. Uh, and if and if that's happening often, uh, we, we, we become dysregulated. So our nervous system is dysregulated. So what we need to do is learn tools to help it regulate. One more question before we <laughs> we wrap this up. What Love about when son. every single person in the world is triggered altogether? <laughs> yeah, what are we doing now? Like <laughs> now? Yeah, that's what I mean. Right now, I don't know. Hide under a pile of coats. I've got no solution for that. <laughs> I've actually stopped reading the news this week. I, I I just and that's not me at all. I used to work in politics. Uh, I'm really like, what's going on? Yeah. But um, it's just, just hit hit a level for me. Like I had a really, a really strong trigger to something I read, and I just deep fear about the children and the yeah. future. Yeah, I was like, oh no, I think I'm done. I don't yeah. think I can continue to do this. Think- it's making me unwell. Well, I think there's something to be said in that, and I think that the media do a particularly good job of. Uh, feeding and instilling ideas and I I 100% agree my husband had the television on the other night I'm like turn it off like I was then getting reeled in and I'm like we don't we don't do this we never have the news on for these reasons yeah um and so turn it off please you're making me anxious and uh, yeah I mean I've always lived my life not (laughs) not watching the news so I'm not it's nothing different for me um but I do think that that's something that's very good advice at the moment is to just turn, if you're so being too. triggered, turn the news off. Yeah. It's, 
whilst it's no in, good comes from it. No, you know, no, no good, good comes from informed, us. No, exactly. Whilst it's good to be informed, it's the constant fear that's being fed. It's not helping mm-hmm. anyone move forward. I don't feel like mm-hmm. it's like we're stuck. I think yeah, also absolutely. too that the um, solution I've had because I have a very anxious child under my roof, and a few times I've just had to say, "Well, all right, just bring it right back down to where you are." Who is around? We're all safe. Hmm. Where we live is fine. You know, you can't go to school, but that's okay. You can still connect with your friends and you can, like, so just look at the things that you can control, not the things that you can't, because there's just that vast, vast chasm of things you can't control Hmm. always, but it feels really huge right now. Yeah, I think that's such good advice. Mm. It really is, especially with children. It it really is. There are a lot of, um, Somatic exercises kids can learn to help discharge anxiety. Oh, that's good. Mm. Um, if you want, I can um, give you the name of someone yes. who works with children. She is absolutely incredible. And um, she's worked with my son a couple of times. He also uh, has, has moments of, of, you know, real anxiety and has given him some tools to use. He doesn't use them all, I have to say, but uh, I've, I've seen him, you know, three or four of them I've seen him use to help himself regulate. And it's also just teaching them the language, you know, of regulation, you know, so, so she kind of can help them with that language and begin to uh, sort of, it's, it's about the mind-body connection. So mm-hmm. helping them understand, well, where where's the anxiety showing up in my body? How's it feeling? Or where's my, is it in my tummy or is it in my shoulder? Great. Love it. There Thank you go. so much. That's amazing. I think it's it's awesome to be able to have these conversations and learn more about ourselves and especially in pockets that we don't necessarily talk about very much. So thank you, Sarah, for the work that you're doing as well, because it's obviously extremely necessary and I'm excited to help you spread the, spread that message further. Um, If people do want to get a copy of your book or connect with you, whereabouts can they do that? Um, The book is available. It's in all the shops, Mm -hmm. should be in all the shops still. Um, but online, you know, you can find it on Amazon or Book Depository or Booktopia. Um, I'm sure there are others as well. Click and and I've got my collect. website. Love a bit of click and collect at the All local bookshop. Oh. Oh. Do you do that? That's Ours, a good Ours idea. Delivers. Oh, that's oh. good too. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's so good. Local. Got a little local one. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh. yeah. Yep. yep, you, you order it in the morning and it's on the doorstep at, at lunchtime. The Brilliant. kids needed read it, like reading books that's or something. So I was good. like, oh, that's all right, we'll just go get that. Yeah. I've, uh, yeah, I can't relate to that because I live in Newcastle. Right. So I, I did not feel like that could be my experience here with the local bookshop, but you never know. You never know. You if, if you're listening, them. local bookshop, yeah. let me know if go. I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for joining us. You know, this has been, I think, very uh, eye-opening. I've been timely, timely, <laughs> timely. <laughs> um, we love that you're listening to our podcast, and we also love it if you take the opportunity to go over and uh-huh. tell us what you like about it. Yep. Don't be shy to review it. Give five us stars. Five stars. We five don't stars. don't bother with anything else. That could be traumatic for us. <laughs> <laughs> Same with my book. Yes, there you go. Yes, yes. Just add that into. You know, I just don't five think five star reviews welcome. Exactly. The the <laughs> I can't stress enough how much a rating or review actually means to the people that have created something. I just don't think that there's so much. um, And in this day and age, people read those reviews. They absolutely do. And they go, oh, okay. Although I do love it when you you look at something and you go, oh, this looks interesting. Oh, it's got a good review. Five stars. Next one, one star. Worst place I've ever been. Someone left me a one star on my book um, because they said that I talk about tea 
too much in the book. <laughs> you can never talk too much about tea. That's ridiculous. Like I, I don't really feel like I talk very much about tea, but that's what they took away from it. Oh my God. That's fascinating. <laughs> my voice is gone. Sure. Yes. What's that? What's I need a tea. Yeah, right. There you go. <laughs> That's what that is. Oh, dear. God, who would, who would criticise you for talking about tea too I mean, much? It was pretty it funny. It cannot be a thing. I know. Well, yeah, you can go on for your entertainment. Right. Go on over and have a look. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, until next time, Cecilia. We, we hope this episode oh, yes, has left do. you feeling happier, healthier and better. Did I get that wrong? <laughs> Listener.